Happy Sabbath, everyone. Very good news. We had a wonderful prayer meeting this, this last Wednesday afternoon. The church really prayed. The church really prayed. And there was a visiting pastor here who sat at the back, and I knew him. He was um, one of my pastors a long time ago. And, you know, he said the Spirit of the Lord was here tonight. Amen? So I'm going to encourage everyone to come and participate in prayer meeting. Secondly, um, two Sabbaths ago, the first Sabbath um, that was, yeah, no, last week, we, we, had, we had a study in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 we studied, and it's, it is going to be the first and the fourth Sabbath of every, one, of every month. And when, if there's a fifth Sabbath in the month, we're going to be doing it. I'm going to invite everyone to come out to, to the book of Daniel study. And I was speaking with Pastor last week, and I told him that starting, it was, it was supposed to have been last night, but I put it off to next Friday night. We will be studying the book of Revelation from 7 to 8.30. And as we go through the message of today, you're going to understand uh, prayerfully that why these two books are so important to the church as we live at the end of time. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that many of us in a very short period of time would see the coming of Jesus Christ. God's messengers said the last movements would be rapid ones. And they're coming so quickly. I get so much information coming across my email from people from different parts of the world people that I'm connected with. And what they're sending me is literally we're standing on the verge of eternity. So the message today is to encourage us, to admonish us, to encourage us to know that this time that many of us have been waiting for, many who have died and have gone to their graves and they're waiting can soon happen. And let us be the ones that usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Eternal Father God, we just want to thank you for this opportunity, this time in the day, dear God, on the Sabbath, that where we come to study your word, Heavenly Father, to hear a message that emanates from your throne. It is not in me, dear God. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you set me aside. Just let my voice be the one through which the Holy Spirit speaks. Heavenly Father, I just pray his presence is going to come and dwell in the hearts of each person here. Heavenly Father, let this message of Christ be lifted up and his soon coming. And Heavenly Father, let us leave here today with a renewed passion for this word and for this message and for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Kindly forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles. To the book of um, Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 12. And in the, in, in the study of the book of Daniel chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12 is a book that is historic, actually. It begins with the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So there's some history in the book of Daniel. But then there's prophecy in the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is a book that focuses on the end time, end time, the time of the end. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, we read these words. And it is the closing book of Daniel. And I'm going to read verse 13 just to show you the love of God. 
the love that God has for his people who dwell with him, who abide in him, who trust in him, who follow him, that who are willing to stand firm no matter what. To think that the God of heaven resides somewhere beyond our scope of understanding, yet he is going to humble himself, condescend to dwell in the midst of men and women, and to give them encouraging words in the last few years of their life. And Daniel was such a faithful servant to the Lord. And Daniel is about to leave the scene. Daniel had seen prophecy fulfilled in his life. And he's just about to live this earth. He's just about to go to his grave. And these are the beautiful words that the angel, Michael the archangel, spoke to Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. It says, but you, that refers to Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. What a promise. An assurance of his salvation. An assurance of the end that Daniel prophesied about it was going to come. But the words in the book of Daniel chapter 12, 1 to 3, I want to, I want to leave it with you today. And at that, and said in verse 1, at that time, at that time, Daniel foresaw his time. Daniel understood the time of his end. But for us, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. As we go into the message today, I would like someone to tell me the title of my sermon. The very first one here is written in Hebrew. Nobody here speaks Hebrew? The second is the Greek. Why do you understand it? How do you know? Sorry? We know. We know. And Daniel says, in verse 3, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. The message today is entitled, The Writing is on the Wall. It takes us back to the book of Daniel chapter 5. And in the book of Daniel chapter 5, King Belshazzar, he was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, 
in whose courts that Daniel sat for many years. And King Belshazzar was throwing a big party that night. And in that party, he had invited all of his lords and his wives and his concubines. That anybody of importance in the kingdom, he was brought them to this grand hall where they were going to throw this big party. You see, but the party was not just for self-gratification. It was to mock the God of the Jews. And so he asked his men to go into and bring out all of the, the, the glasses and the cups that his fa grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of Jerusalem when he invaded Jerusalem back in 605 AD, BC, sorry. And this is 539 AD, so it's 66 years earlier. And they were going to drink out of the cups, which they did. They drank out of the cups and the glasses that were brought out of the house of the Lord. It was a sacrilegious moment. It was a moment when King Belshazzar felt that he could have exalted himself above the God of the Hebrews. And then, with a lamp on the wall behind him, he looks across the hall and he sees a handwriting. And the Bible says he trembled. His knees knocked. His joints went loose. And he called the wise men of Babylon. And he called the Chaldeans. And he called the soothsayers. But none could tell him what was being written on the wall. We're living in the time of spiritual Babylon. The writing is on the wall. And that the only person in the kingdom that night that was able to interpret the writing on the wall was a prophet of God. The only person. The only person who had served God, well, one of the persons who had served God faithfully for 66 years that was brought into the kingdom of Babylon when he was a teenager. And Christ talks about the signs of the end. He talks in, in the book of Matthew chapter 24. You find it also in the book of Luke chapter 21 and Mark chapter 13. The signs just spelled out to the church of what to look at that points to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But as we look at these signs, these signs have been from generation to generation. But there is a sign in the book of Daniel that when we understand it, and that when we are able to break it down in the context of revelation and the spirit of prophecy, we possess the knowledge, the wisdom, and understanding to take us through the turbulent times that are before us. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 24 and look at, take a look at this verse. You see, because that there was a time, an impending time, that was going to change Jerusalem and all of Jerusalem for an eternity. And Jesus had just left the temple at Jerusalem. And as he walked away from the Jerusalem, as he headed to the Mount of Olives, he had remarked 
that your house is left to you desolate. The Spirit of God had now left the Temple of Jerusalem. And it is a place where worship would never be made to the God of heaven any longer. Although the Pharisees did after Christ ascended. In verses 1 to 3. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple, beautiful as they were. And Jesus said to them, do, do, not, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon, one, upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. First sign. They ask him a twofold question. When shall these things be? Or when shall this temple be destroyed? And the second was, What shall be the signs of your coming? And then in the book of Matthew chapter 24, Christ mixes the signs pointing to A, the destruction of Jerusalem, and two, the second coming. He spoke in, in Matthew verses 5, 11, 24 to 26, he spoke about false Christ and false prophets. Then wars and rumors of wars. It says nations raging among nations. That word then nations in the Greek is pronounced ethnos, where we get ethnic from. And he's saying that there are going to be ethnic wars within nations. But there'd also be wars, nations warring against nations. So wars would be both external and internal. He says there would be a persecution of God's people. He says they're going to take you before councils and to magistrates. They're going to take you out of the synagogue, he said. God's people would be persecuted. He says the gospel will go into all the world before the end come. In the book of Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, Daniel says, For knowledge shall be increased. He speaks about increasing demonic activity, Revelation chapter 16, 13, and 14. I want us to take a look at that verse, please. Because this is an end time, end time, our time, the time that we are living in, and the time pointing forward, Revelation 16, 13, and 14. He speaks about demonic activity. He says, it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. This is a sign for our time. It speaks about the beast. It speaks about the dragon. It speaks about coming out of the mouth of the false prophets. And in the study of the book of De uh, Revelation, we're going to take a look at that verse in its entirety. And then in the book of James, chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, it speaks of the economic woes that are coming upon this world. You see, people are going to be having wealth that they would not be able to use. They'll be casting it in the streets. I don't know how many people are following the news coming out of South America. Venezuela is bankrupt. Just two weeks ago, it had only $10 billion left. The conditions in Venezuela is absolutely horrible right now. There are going to be economic woes, not just in selected countries, 
but in some of the major countries that we are aware of. Thank you very much. Let's continue. It speaks about, uh, in the book of uh, 2 Peter 3, 3 to 7, it speaks about increase in false teachings. And there's just so much about, uh, of it today. You just go onto the internet and there are so many different interpretations of the books of Daniel and Revelation. And this is a very interesting one in Nahum chapter 2, verse 4, increase in traffic speed. Because what Nahum saw in vision, he saw these bright lights and these streaming lights and the, the speed at which things traveled. And it is believed that he saw what it was going to be at the end of time, our major highways. There is going to be disobedience and anarchy. But the Apostle Paul saw a sign that points to the end of time. You see, the church of Thessalonica was looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. They found themselves, they had believed in what Paul had taught them about the second coming of Jesus Christ. But false messengers came into the church and they were telling the church that Jesus Christ had, had already come. And they were pointing to those who had died in the faith and Christ had not come. And so Paul writes to them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that he be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. He says, let no man deceive you. This is what Christ said. The number one sign pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ would be deception. He says, let no, Paul writes, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And Paul is saying that right within the very midst of the church, there's going to be a deception. One who's going to claim to be God, sitting in the temple of God, speaking as for God, as God, and that many would be deceived. And that is one of the fulfillments. We've got three great fulfillments to take place before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we're standing on the very verge of all three being completed in a very short period of time. The man of sin Paul writes about. But Jesus did say, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot, or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. And we can take the law and apply it to the Bible that Heaven and earth will not pass away. Jesus is not going to come until everything is fulfilled. Amen? And then he's calling upon us to finish this work, to tell a dying world of a loving Savior, of a soon coming Savior, so that the end is going to be here. Amen? Daniel 12, 1 to 3. And let's take a look at that time again. And at that time shall Michael stand up. It's not the only time Michael has stood up. In the book of Daniel, Michael came to Daniel on three occasions when Daniel lacked understanding. He said, Daniel, oh greatly beloved, I came to give you understanding. At that time, Michael, Michael stood up in heaven. He says that the devil and his angels fought, and Michael and the angels fought back. It was not the only time Michael stood up. Michael stood up at the, at, 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 at the grave of Moses, contending for the body of Moses. At that time, Michael is going to stand up for his people. He says, The great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. 
He says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. A time of tribulation as never. When we can think of what happened at the destruction of Jerusalem, it is said in AD 70, when Jerusalem was, was, in, was being sieged by the Romans, that women ate their children. And they're saying it is going to be more horrific than that. During the time of 1260 years of paper persecution, men and women were stripped, the, the, the limbs were stripped from the bodies as they were trapped to conveyor belts. Many went to, to the guillotine. Many were burned to the stakes. But Jesus is saying that there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation into that same time. We have to be prepared for it. And at that time, he said, Thy people shall be delivered. That is the great promise that God has for you and I. That he is going to stand with us as he stood, as, as, as Christ stood with the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace in the plain of Jura. He is going to come and stand in our midst during the time of this tribulation. Let us ever be so thankful of the promises that are in the Bible. He says, everyone that shall be found written in the book. That's where our names have to be written in the book of life. He says, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So what is that time? What is that time that Daniel is speaking about? He also speaks of it as the end at the time of the end. Let us take a look at a few verses here in Daniel chapter 12, verses 4, 6, 7, 9, and 13. Let's take a look at what the time is Daniel referring to. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, 6, 7, 9, and 13. Daniel chapter 4. Sorry, Daniel chapter 12, sorry. Verse 4. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. He says, Daniel chapter so. So when Daniel says, at that time, what time is he speaking about? And we're going to take a look at a number of uh, instances of that time. In verse 4 it says, it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until that time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now there's a difference between the time of the end and the end of time. The time of the end is that period that's pointing to the end of time. So, for example, we may take a look at a building that is under construction. And the time of the end for the building is during the process of the construction. But when the construction is finished, all time has ended for construction. You understand me? It's the end of time. So he says that, so Daniel refers to it in verse 4 as the time of the end. But he says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And that knowledge he's speaking about is a knowledge of the Bible coupled with much of the knowledge that we see today. In verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, verse 7, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heavens, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So he's saying that there is going to be this time, times, and a half times. 
But he said during the time of that period, whatever it is, we're going to, t- we're going to look at it in a minute. He says there is going to be a time when the, 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 the power of the holy people shall be completely shattered. Let us take a look at verse 9. He says, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Let us go to verse 13. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Look at the number of times just in the book of Daniel chapter 12. The end of time, the time of the end, a time, times, and half a time has been pointed out. That time is ever so important to God that it is written, you see it in Daniel several occasions, and you see it five times in the book of Revelation. That time, times, and half a times. 342 months, or three and, three and a half years, or 1260 days. Let us take a look at what time he's speaking about here. Let us take a look at 1140 to 44. Now, chapter 12, the, the book of Daniel chapter 12, actually is prefaced on, on chapter 11, uh, quite a bit of chapter 11. So let us take a look at, at that time again. Verse 40, Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 to verse 44. At, the, at that time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. So I want us to understand, the king of the south came against the king of the north. And the king of the north is going to overwhelm the king of the south. And the king of the north, he shall enter countries, overwhelm them, and pass through them. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But this shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall fall at his heel. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. Verse 45. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet... He shall come to his end, and no one will help him. In our our study of the book of Revelation, we'll take a look at the king of the north and the king of the south. Because that is going to be the last great struggle on earth before the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is going to be a time when there's going to be such a power that can muster such a force across the face of the globe. And it is going to be done in the name of religion, and it is going to be so overwhelming that the whole world is going to wander after it. And that is going to bring the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the saints would get to see in verse, um, in verse 45. Yet he shall come to his end and no one will help him. Amen? The time of the end. So knowing the time. So why is it important that we know the time? So in Daniel chapter 7, it speaks of time, times, and half a time. In verse 11, 1,290 days. So Daniel, so God has given us now three dates in the book of Daniel chapter 12. If we understand the three dates, we see the time that we're living in. So in verse chapter 7, it speaks about, let's read it individually again. In verse 7, he says, Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above, that's Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, 
that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Time period number one. Time period number two, verse 11. And from the time, and so this is the time period pointing to the time of the end. In verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Let us go to verse, chap, uh, verse sorry, Daniel chapter 11, verse 12. It says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. So three time periods. Three time periods pointing to the time of the end. Let us continue. So when you speak about time, times, and half a time, we're going to take prophetic time being measured using the year for day principle. That is, one day in prophecy represents a year. You with me? You will find that in the book of Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel 4.5. In Numbers 14.34, what had happened? Moses sent the spies out. They were out for uh, 40 days. And then they came back and said they couldn't take the land. And God says, for every one day that you had spied out the land, you're going to wander one year in the wilderness for a total of 40 years. So that's how we measure prophetic time. So in prophetic time, one, one year is equal to 360 days. Two times is equal to 720 days. And a half a time is 180 days, which gives us 1260 days or 1260 prophetic years. Now that time period corresponds that this is equal to 1,260. I forgot the zero there. Okay. 1,260 days. 538 to 1798. What happened at that time? 538-80. The Roman Empire fell in 476-80. And from 476-80 to 538-80, there was a vacuum in Rome. There was no power. Constantinople had, Constantine had already... 200 years earlier, moved this, the, the capital of the empire to the eastern side in what was called Constantinople, what is known as Istanbul today. So Justinian was the emperor in 538 AD. And he held up the pope to be both the religious and the political leader of Rome. So that, 1200 and, that 538 to 1798 AD was the time of persecution. Papal persecution. So in 1798, we're going to take a look at it in the book of Revelation in a minute. So the very first time that was pointed to was that period of papal persecution. 1,290 days. Again, we're going to use the same principle. But this time, it is going to go from 508 to 1798. If you remember, in the book of Revelation chapter 7, that the... Roman Empire was going to be broken up into ten parts. But three would be destroyed. And that, that three would be destroyed by the little horn that came up among the ten horns from which the empire had broken up. And so in 50880, what had happened? The king of France, the conversion of Clovis, the king of the France, to the Catholic faith, and in the victory over the gods, an important stage in the supremacy of the Catholic Church in the West. What had happened? The gods, they were one of the kingdoms into which the Roman Empire was broken up into. And the universal church, wanting supremacy, aligned itself with the state, the king of France. 
And Justinian went to war on behalf of the church and destroyed one of the horns. Those were the gods. The, th the third time period. The, th the 1,305 and 30 days. That's 1,335 years. What happened there? The year 50880 was the beginning of spiritual darkness driven by the universal church. The year 1843 began the great religious awakening beginning in America. Amen? Three time periods fulfilled. Number one, the ascension of Clovis, the conversion of Clovis, and he was used by the church to carry the destruction of the gods. The second one, 538 to 1798, papal persecution. And the third one, it was the time of spiritual darkness, the beginning of spiritual darkness, to light in the new world in America in 1843. Amen? So what time are we living in? We're living in the very, very time of the end. Amen? Let's continue. So knowing the time. So let us turn to the book of Revelation chapter 13 now. Revelation chapter 13. Because in the book of Revelation, there is another time that is spoken of. So we're going to spend some time and go through a few verses in the book of Revelation chapter 13. And so I'm going to invite you to come to the study of Revelation on Friday nights. Because we're going to see exactly where we are um, in, the, in the course of time. And John saw, in Revelation chapter 13 verse 1. Then I stood, and this is John, he says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And that beast there refers to a kingdom. And that beast is described in the language of Daniel chapter 7. Because in the, in the language of Daniel chapter 7, he saw the great the seas being stirred up. And he saw four great beasts coming out of the waters. He says the first one was that a lion with, weagle, with eagle's wings. And the second is going to be like a bear with ribs in his mouth. And the third was going to be like a leopard with four heads and four wings. And the fourth was going to be this destructive beast that he could not describe the beast. He could not find any one of the wild beasts to describe it. And so what we see here at the end of time is going to be a kingdom that had the characteristics of those four. One, Babylon, image worship. Number two, Medo-Persia, worship to a man. Number three, Greece, philosophical thinking. And number four, it belongs to Rome. And so John sees that beast coming up from among the sea, that is among a multitude of people. And I saw one of his heads, verse three, as if, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things. And in blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. 1260 years. That time period was so important to God because it marked out the beginning of the time of the end. And then there are three more prophecies to be fulfilled, all having to do with this peace, all having to, 
to, to deal with the persecution of God's people. And we're going to see where it begins. Um, verse 7. It, it was granted, sorry, verse 6. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The entire book of Revelation deals with worship. From Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 19 deals with worship. Worship in the earth. True worship. False worship. And in the book of Revelation chapter 14 verse 7 we're called to worship the creator God. But in verse 9 it says it warns against worship to the beast and its image. So at the end of time the very central issues at the end of time would be worship. I'm going to share with you something I read on the news that happened in London, England this week. Two men, Christians, they were referred to as street preachers. And I asked about that, somebody who had lived in England. And I was told, he said yes, that there are places in England, parks, areas where people can just get out there and they can just preach. And they were charged. They were charged for hatred. They were reading out of the King James Version, two, two preachers. And out of the King James Version, they were reading that there is one God, the Creator God. They were reading that there is only one way to that Creator God, and that is through Jesus Christ. They were reported. Charges were brought against them for hatred. They were both found guilty. They were both fined 2,000 pounds, 2,100 and something pounds each. And the prosecuting attorney says that is hate language. Do you know it can happen in Canada? The Bible says in verse 7, it was granted to him to make war with the saints. The spirit of the devil has increased in the earth. And if you were to take time to just take a look at some of the laws that are being passed today, the Christian faith is being pushed aside. It would not be too much longer here in Canada with the new laws passed about Islamophobia. And the head of the Catholic Church recently said, I read it, that anyone who believes in the Ten Commandments and practices it is an extremist. Thus says the word of the Lord that we have to take a stand. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship and for, to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. 
He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he, has, he, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. This is the time of end, the end. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. And this is the last sign. And that no one may buy or sell except who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. When the mark of the beast is instituted, it is going to be the last act to bring the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's right around the corner. Spirit of prophecy. I've been much burdened in regard to movements that are now in progress for the enforcement of Sunday observance. It has been shown to me that Satan has been working earnestly to carry out his designs to restrict religious liberty. Plans of serious import to the people of God are advancing in an underhand manner among the clergymen of various denominations. And the object of this secret maneuvering is to win popular favor for the enforcement of Sunday sacredness. If the people can be led to favor a Sunday law, then the clergy intend to exert their united influence to obtain a religious amendment to the Constitution and compel the nation to keep Sunday. Sorry, this was written in Review and Herald, 18, December 24th, 1898. A hundred years ago, this woman saw what was going to happen in 2017. It is so close around the corner church that plants are afoot. I've read it. That with the new president of the United States and the evangelical right, that the United States is going to be ruled on moral authority. Not legislation any longer. And plans are afoot to change the Constitution. The Bible says that those who are wise will shine. We are living on the verge of eternity. Please play the video clip for me, please. I want you to take a look at this. Thank you very much. You see the shift? You see the movement? The church sees it as divine intervention. And that as Kenneth Copeland was saying, if God speaks to any of these creatures, they now have an area nothing that we do. And he's now formed his advisory board made up of church. More or less what once ruled in, in Washington has been set aside. And the government is going to be a faith base government going forward. So let's take a look at that. 
When the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have an entirely different religious experience. They will be given such glimpses of the open gates of heaven that heart and mind will be impressed with a character that all must develop in order to realize the blessedness which is to be the reward of the pure in heart. E.G. White, Testimonies to Ministers, page 1114. We are standing on the threshold of great and solemn events. Many of the prophecies are about to be fulfilled in quick su succession. Every element of power is about to be set to work. Past history will be repeated. All controversies will arouse to new life. And peril will beset God's people on every side. Intensity is taking hold of the human family. It is permeating everything upon the earth. Study in Revelation and connection with Daniel, for a history will be repeated. E.G. White, Testimonies to Ministers, page 116. The history of nations speaks to us today. To every nation to, and to every individual, God has assigned a place in his great plan. Today, men and nations are being tested by the plummet in the hand of him who makes no mistake. All are by their own choice deciding their destiny. And God is overruling all, of, all for the accomplishment of his purposes. The prophecies which the great I am has given in his word, uniting link after link in the chain of events, from eternity in the past to eternity in the future, tell us where we are today in the procession of the ages and what may be expected in the time to come. All that prophecy has foretold us has come into pass until the present time has been traced on the pages of history and we may be assured that all which is yet to come will be fulfilled in its order. Today, the signs of the times declare that we are standing on the threshold of great and solemn events. Everything in our world is in agitation. Before our eyes is fulfilling the Savior's prophecy of the events to precede his coming. He shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 6 and 7. The present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes, have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element. And they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place that the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis. The Bible and the Bible alone gives a correct view of these things. Here I reveal the great final scenes in the history of our world. Events that already are casting their shadows before the sound of their approach, causing the earth to tremble and men's hearts to fail them for fear. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein to desolate. Isaiah 24, 1-6. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. The seed is rotten under the clods, the garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, for the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languisheth. 
the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Joel 1, 15 to 18, verse 12. A.G. Wise, Prophets and Kings, page 536, 537. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, please. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And in closing, those are the words of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 10. And it reads, Many shall be purified, made white and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Amen? So God has given us this great light, whereby we can come to know the events that are before us, and that we could understand what is ahead. And what is ahead for us, brothers and sisters, is that the United States is going to amend its constitution. There is going to be the religious right in the United States. And what is going to happen? It's going to usher in that great warfare between true and false religion. And God's people that obey the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ will be tried and tested. But Daniel says, at that time, Michael will stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people and you shall be delivered. May God continue to richly bless you.